This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hello, is anybody in here? Hello? (laughs) Come on, you guys, ain't funny. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and happy Friday the 13th. Wait a minute now, Friday the 13th, that, that kind of rings a bell. Well, anyway, the sun is shining. Uh, well, anyway, we have a great show because we're rolling up to Tax Day 2018 by talking about tax advice that's really baloney. Hmm, baloney. Hmm, I love baloney. Plus, we'll discuss stereotypes and money. Does it matter how we talk about money with each other? To help us, we welcome from Afford Anything, Paula Pant. Also, from this here podcast, oh, j-j-j-j-j-g. And rounding out our team from LenPenzo.com, the Postmaster General himself. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He's out having drinks with Jeff Bezos. It's just Len Penzo. And that's not all, though. We'll also answer a call for help to the Bloom Hotline. And now, the guy who's nearly ready to start doing his taxes, Joe Zalcihai. Those are nearly done. Nearly, nearly done. But we're not here to talk about this. We got a great show today, Friday the 13th show. I think that's going to be lucky for us. Well, it's especially lucky because we have with us today across this card table, the one and only other guy, or as we call him, OG. What is happening? You see there's that new TV show coming on, by the way, where Tracy Morgan's going to be the last OG? No. I seriously think we need to start talking about some trademark infringement here. <laughs> they might have the last OG, but we got the first one, just so everybody knows. Yes, the. Uh, the. Absolutely. And you know what else we have the first of? We have the very first Paula Pant here. I think it's the first one. I would not be surprised if I was the first and only person with this particular name, because Pant, uh, or Punth, is a Nepali last name, and most Nepalis don't have the first name of Paula. Paula. <laughs> what, what, what is their first name? Well, so the first name, so fun fact about me that most people don't know, the first name that's on my birth certificate is Pragya. Yeah, yeah. But Paula is much easier for people to say, so that, that, I go by that. You, you don't know this, Paula, but I had a, I had a client named Pragya. Really? I did. Yep. But she wasn't from Nepal. She was from India. Yeah, it's also a first name in India. Yes, and I won't share I won't share her last name, but she was very very nice. So she was ah, super. So clearly not me. That could, <laughs> clearly not you. <laughs> that eliminates me. <laughs> and the other very mean person on this podcast here for another week, 
the uh, badass <laughs> under the city of Los Angeles, Mr. Len Penzo. That was a pause, I think. It <laughs> <laughs> probably was. That was for, how are you, man? I'm doing good. You know, that made me, speaking of names, that made me think of uh, a girl from my kindergarten class who she moved away after after kindergarten. First grade, she was gone. But I'll never forget her. Her name was Carmela Carmelo. And I still, to this day, reminisce about Carmela Carmelo. So, Carmela, if you're out there, hey, uh, drop a note at uh, Stacking Benjamins and tell Joe you're still around. Wow, that's a great name. <laughs> that just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Carmela Carmelo. It's, it's... I went to college with a girl named Neon Diamante. So she was named after two cars. <laughs> wow. They sold Novas in, uh, in Mexico, when they, but the sales were just terrible. And yeah, and you know why that is, right? Because Nova in Spanish means doesn't go. Doesn't go, yeah. <laughs> that is some basic research you think somebody would do ahead of time. <laughs> I got I to gotta ask something, though, by the way. I was thinking about you the other day, Len, as the market's bouncing around, as people are asking me questions about, what do you think about this market? And I'm like, you know what? The guy we need to ask that of is Len Penzo, because I bet Len is just like cool as a cucumber as this thing's bouncing all over the place. What's your thought on the market uh, craziness the last couple of weeks? Uh, well, you know, it's volatility. You know, we had calm for what? Two solid years. The VIX was down in the single digits, down, got down to eight. I mean, that which shows that volatility is almost nothing. And now things have started to change. And usually volatility is a sign of a changing market going from bear to bull to bear or bear to bull. And uh, so, you know, of course, I'm the perma bear, so. So, uh, yeah. so, so that would be logical, but you but are. Yes, I sleep. It doesn't bother me one bit. And it really shouldn't. People who are in this stuff for the long haul shouldn't be bothered anyways, I guess. I think that's great advice. You know what else is great advice, Paula? Uh, listening to a different podcast. <laughs> yes. That and that, uh, and maybe using TurboTax support for Stacky Benjamins comes to us from TurboTax. TurboTax Live, actually, which is new from TurboTax. Now, here at the last minute, you can get a personal review of your tax return while you're sweating through it with a CPA or an EA right on your screen. Talk live with a tax expert as long as you need for tax advice to help you file with confidence. Go to TurboTaxLive.com slash SB. And we're also brought to you by Magnify Money. Guess what? The average person saves 450 bucks when they head to Magnify Money to change their checking account savings account, those credit cards not paying any rewards, or to consolidate your debt, head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money. We have a fantastic show today. I can't wait to get into it. I can't wait to ask you your opinion of these two pieces in our headlines. So let's get this party started. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show, our Stacking Benjamins headlines. First headline comes to us from uh, CBS Money Watch. Five pieces of popular tax advice that are actually baloney. And even though Len Penzo, even though Doug likes baloney, these pieces of tax advice really are baloney. <laughs> yeah, they are. And I really love the very first one, actually, is uh, get an extension because you'll have more time to pay your taxes. I've actually, <laughs> I've heard people say that before, haven't you? Yeah, I've actually heard that too. I, and I've heard a lot of people say, well, then why do they give you an extension? I mean, why do we have a deadline if they give you an extension? And you got to remember that that extension is just, it's kind of, uh, you're still going to pay a penalty. And I, I don't remember what it is. Maybe uh, OG can tell me. But unless you pay like 90% of your taxes up front, I, I think you're penalized if you file for an extension, right? Is that true? Well, it depends on the severity of it. Sometimes it's just one limb. Other times it's <laughs> both. It can be. 
an arm or a leg. No, but is that uh, true? Isn't it? Isn't it? There's so some- what you're talking about are the safe harbor guidelines for not paying, but that's before April the 15th. Your tax bill is due April the 15th, the regardless thing? of the whole kit and caboodle. <laughs> yep, you can, ex- you can file an extension and an extension on top of an extension and do all that sort of stuff, but uh, but paying your taxes is due April the 15th, or this year, I guess, maybe it's the 17th. Yeah, 17th. So you get an extension. It's a two-day extension. <laughs> Lens, um, lens, like I got to stop doing this podcast because I gave somebody some. I got to go make a phone call. I'll be right back. Hey, I'm still your tax guy, aren't I, Joe? Absolutely, man. Okay, absolutely. Right. But 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 don't make that. You're mistake. getting. I'm worth every penny. Sounds like I'm getting fantastic <laughs> advice, Paula. The uh, the bad advice number two on here: don't get an extension. You'll get audited. I can't believe how many people have told me, "Well, don't do this. You'll get audited. You don't want to get audited." The problem is nobody knows what triggers an audit. Nobody actually knows. And so everybody guesses. It's kind of like, I'm trying to think of an analogy here. You know, when when nobody knows what causes X, all people can do is make a, a guess about that X. And so all of this mythology over don't do whatever because you'll get audited is just, it's hearsay. It's mythology. I mean, you know, if you really want to avoid or survive an audit, just be honest on your taxes and keep good records and don't round things to the nearest zero, zero, zero point zero, zero. And, you know, you'll probably be all right. It just, it just seems to me that if you're not cheating on your taxes, Paula, does the audit really matter? Like, because I hear people that are afraid of an audit. I'm like, what do you have to worry about? You've all W-2 income. You, you have a house with a mortgage. Like it's very straightforward. If they come and audit, you just show them your stuff and, Game, set, match. Well, it's a hassle. I think that's the biggest worry. It's a hassle. It requires time. Uh, J.D. Roth got audited, and his turned out okay. The IRS concluded that he didn't do anything wrong, but it cost him $1,500 because he had to pay an accountant to Uh, handle it, essentially. There it is. But that's somebody that owns a business, though. I mean, that's a different... Yeah, exactly, exactly. He had to pay an accountant to handle it because he had a lot of paperwork, and Essentially, for him, the audit was just stress and hours and paper shuffling and fees that he extra fees to pay an accountant. I'm going to stick with you for the next one, and then we'll go to OG. Next piece of bad advice on here: buy real estate for the tax break. Isn't that the number one reason you tell people to buy real estate, Paula's, for the tax uh, break? Vomit. Uh, first of all, never do anything for the tax break because that is letting the tail wag the dog. Do the thing that you think makes the most sense, and then decide how to tax optimize that. Number two, doing anything for the sake of a tax write-off means that you're spending a dollar to save 28 cents. Have you ever thought about, Len, the tail wagging the dog, like how cool that would look, like a dog like wagging all over the place? I don't know. Yeah, especially if it was like a, a little chihuahua or something like that. I can definitely, I think that would be really cool. Now, a Great Dane, I'm not so sure. I want to see. chihuahua, I think that's. Uh, yeah, not a, you, you have a monster dog at your house. I have a Rhodesian Ridgeback. I used to own Great Danes, but uh, the, I've had two of them. They don't live very long. So uh, then I switched over to the Rhodesian Ridgebacks, and we're on our second one, and they are phenomenal. I'm a, I'm a big dog person. It's huge. I mean, but your dog is huge. Yeah, he's huge. Yeah. Yeah, he's 120 pounds. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you ride him around he's the bunker. Horse. It's a he's pony. A I know. That's what I do. He'll knock you over. He, he can knock you over. Yep. <laughs> Next, he's great for the bunker. Next one I hear on here, OG, going to you is don't take the home office deduction. It'll trigger an audit. That one I hear all over the place. No, 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 no. That's a big deal. Don't do it. Well, uh, you know, just like Paula said, this is all just make believe. 
and frankly, to talk about Otis for a second, a lot of the stuff is done electronically now. You know, with all of the um, uh, records that the IRS takes in electronically and the fact that you file your tax forms electronically, several years back they mandated that tax preparers must file tax returns electronically unless uh, – unless – what the hell? <laughs> unless – here with and therefore the, uh, <laughs> the, the client conscientiously objects against e-filing your taxes. You know, I mean, it was a big rigmarole to like actually paper file. So likely, you know, from an audit standpoint now, it's just matching up the numbers. Hey, and I've had this happen. I think most of us have had where, you, they, you know, they say, we got a report that says you got $32 of dividends here. You didn't put that on your tax returns. If you filed it up, no big deal. Send us a check for 12 bucks. We'll call it square. And you, you know, that's the audit nowadays. It's uh, much, much less likely. But on the home office piece, even they've simplified that nowadays. You can just take a, a standard home office deduction if you use your business or use a, a portion of your home for business. And it's very straightforward. You don't even have to take too much into account from a record keeping standpoint. It's just merely the square footage uh, that you use and you multiply it out and boom, they give you a number. Last piece of bad advice on here. You don't have to report money from a side hustle. Everybody listening has a side True. hustle. Yes, you do. <laughs> yes. Yes, you probably oh, do. I mean, false. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, but I love this on the end and then we'll we'll put this to bed. I love the end of this piece that says, unless they're qualified tax professionals, your neighbors, in-laws and coworkers probably aren't the tax gurus they say they are. And I think we, I think we leave it there. Our second piece comes to us from Refinery29. Hey, hey, Joe. Yeah. I just got to bring up one thing. You know, sometimes the audit works in your favor, too, because like OG was talking about, I got once I got something from the IRS saying that I had made a mistake and it was in my favor and I got like an extra 50 bucks or something like that. When's the last time I've ever had that? that? Yeah, I know. I know. Right. I mean, this was many years ago. This is probably 20 years ago. But yes, they actually wrote me back to say that I had made a math error. And it resulted in 50 like extra a, bucks. Sounds like one of those scams where you sign the check and you just gave away something else, you know? <laughs> no, it was a real. title to your house or something. <laughs> That's pretty amazing. Bank error in your favor. It's like a, yeah. it's like the board So game. it happens. It happens. It does. Okay. All right. Our second piece comes to us from Refinery29 and our listener and friend that I met in Seattle, Nikisha, sent this to me. The way we speak to women about money is sexist and needs to change. This written by Jess Commons. This is going to be interesting with three men and a woman. <laughs> and, a, and a woman. <laughs> and a woman. I just Sounds tried like to. A terrible movie. A movie. I just tried yeah. to pluralize Paula there <laughs> so that we'd have more woman, women on this. But the second that the second that Nikisha brought this up to me, I really wanted to talk about it because I thought it was a really interesting piece. It says, do you ever feel like, as a woman, Len, you missed the class in life where you learned all about money. Like somehow all your male friends suddenly woke up one day and knew all about mortgages and IRAs. And you were left there pouring over websites, trying to determine what exactly a 0% APR credit card was. Maybe it's just me, but compared to the men, I know my confidence with money is literally zero zilch nada, which ironically isn't far off what my savings account holds. So my interest was piqued when I found out about a new study, which claims the language used to speak to men and women about money is very different indeed. Starling Bank, one of the new wave of smartphone-based millennial-focused banks, has analyzed the difference between how male and female-centric media outlets speak to their readers about money, and the results show some inherent and problematic differences. The study looked at 300 stories, and researchers found that women were defined as, quote, excessive spenders across 65% of the articles aimed at them. 
They were advised to, quote, limit, restrict, and take better control of shopping splurges. In contrast, Darling Bank says the language of the men's articles implied that financial successes made readers, quote, more of a man. The articles use words like dare to encourage men to invest and to spend to achieve power. Back over on the women's side, though, 71% of articles encourage women to seek out, quote, vouchers, discounts, bargains, and coupons to save money. First of all, I want to get to this piece, the research as laid out. Paula, do you feel that? Yeah, I completely agree with what this article is saying. I've seen this across a lot of articles. Typically, when women are addressed in the financial media, it's addressed with the idea that women are shoppers, and that that applies to clothing and shoes and, and makeup and accessories, yes, but it also applies to household shopping, such as, you know, the assumption that women are the ones who are in charge of purchasing the laundry soap or the just various household goods, right? Toilet bowl cleaner. And so a lot of the articles that are focused on women talk about that. They talk about the day-to-day of household shopping, whereas articles that tend to discuss whether or not you should refinance your mortgage, the difference between an index fund versus a mutual fund, whether or not you should get involved in options trading. Those tend to be aimed at men. Um, And I've noticed that even like on Twitter, for example, when I get feedback about some of my posts and people don't know who the author is, oftentimes on my investing posts on Twitter, people say, you know, when referring to the author, which is me, they'll be like, blah, blah, blah. He said, blah, 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 blah. Which I, of course, always enjoy writing back, being like, who's he? <laughs> Len, Len, I got to go to you. I got a lot of follow-up questions on that, Paula, because I'm wondering about 70,000 things about what you said. But Len, you also read a lot of blogs, right? I'm not going to OG at the start here because OG is not a big reader. <laughs> Actually, OG, OG reads a <laughs> lot. Reader. Well, OG reads a lot, but not. But but you're not out there in the blogosphere reading all the blog, bloggy stuff. How do you stuff. know? Okay. I've got a whole new Twitter account now. I'm reading all sorts of stuff. Maybe, maybe, but I'm going to go with my gut, which says that Len probably is out there reading. Smart but, but, choice. But, but Len, <laughs> Len, do you see? Do you see this too? Blogs aimed at men and blogs aimed at women also speak differently to men and women. Speak differently to the audience. Yeah, I will stipulate that there might be those stereotypes in some of the articles aimed towards men and towards women. But I'm sorry, I you know, I read this article and this author here is looking for an excuse for her failures, in my opinion. This is she's she's pawning off responsibility for herself. If she's gonna blame these articles for her problems, you know, I'm sorry. I just I, I'm just not gonna accept that. But do I you mean, say that of- but, but but hold on, Len, do you say that though? I mean, you're a guy. They're talking to you about the stuff you want to talk about. They're not talking down to you. And it's funny having, and I've certainly never been in this position myself, but having friends that are minorities, like I grew up in a very homogenous community, right? And then before I started hanging out with friends of mine that were minorities in different ways, sometimes in ways that nobody around them knew, right? Maybe they were gay. People didn't know. You would have people say stuff and all of a sudden my eyes open that there's there's a lot of talk that kind of goes over my head because of the fact that I'm a middle-aged white dude. Okay. <laughs> well, so do you think I, it's the I, same? I guess, do, I, I, do you think it's the same for I you? Do you think you're I, missing what it? What I'm saying is what I'm saying is there are centrist articles as well, right? There's Kiplinger and there's 
I mean, you read these investment articles, you go on Morningstar, you go on wherever, all of the, there's plenty of neutral, money watch, right? There's plenty of neutral stuff out there as well. So it's just, to me, it's just a cop out. I'm sorry. I, it's a, it's, it's a cop out to think that you're going to read some articles from, if you're a female and you're going to read from a female centric with some percentage, not a hundred percent, but some percentage of those maybe being stereotypical as was described here and having that influence you to the point where you've completely failed in in your or you're poor with money and to blame it on those articles is just a freaking cop out in my opinion I, that's just that's just how it is that's how i feel and and um you know i don't think i'm being insensitive at all i think that's just a fact and i think that's just i know it's probably not popular you send all your send all your letters folks to uh to lenpenzo.com don't send them to joe you can yell at me well no i think there's a part of you that's incredibly brave taking that position because when i look at this article i somewhat agree with you too she says she knows nothing and then she goes but the media is responsible right and so you know part <laughs> of me rolls nice but that's the whole thing is an excuse for that well well i don't think it's the whole thing though because to paula's point to paula's point and paul i want to get back to you i'm wondering when it comes to the audience and the perceived audience, right? Are more of those articles written that way? Because historically in a family, you would have women that historically took care of one half, and that would be the grocery shopping, the clothing of the family, right? The stuff around the house. And the man took care of the investments, right? In a traditional 1950s style marriage, that's what you had. And, and so is it authors going where the audience is, which increases readership because that's the way a lot of families are, or is it sexist or is it both? It's a bit of both. I mean, it's, it's authors going where the audience is and it's also authors kind of reflecting the social conditioning that they were brought up with. I've noticed that in myself, when I write and I give examples of profligate, unnecessary spending, it's very, and I'm, and I'm searching for, uh, for boilerplate examples, for soundbite examples. It's very easy for me to reach for the example of manicures and pedicures, right? But I'm not reaching for the example of putting like really fancy rims on a car. Both of those or are- golf clubs. Exactly, or golf clubs. Both of those are examples of wild, not necessarily wild discretionary spending, but things that could be cut if you wanted to pay off your credit card debt. And yet I reach for the female example. So even myself, I, I find myself doing that. And maybe that's because- of the things that I as a woman would be more likely to spend money on, or maybe that's because of social conditioning or both. But I guess the broader answer to your question is that sexism often is subtle and internalized. Yeah. No, I totally... I've got, I've got a question for you, Joe. So as you were talking about this, I was thinking about, I've got two boys who are 11 and 9. Yeah, 11 and 9. And then my daughter, who's two... I was thinking about kind of what Len you said about a cop out or whatever. Maybe some of this is is how you're raised, right? Like how money is talked about at home and that sort of thing. And then that, uh, Paul, it's your point. Kind of filters, kind of fulfills the cycle, right? Dad mm -hmm. says, "Come here, boys. Let me show you how to manage the money." Mom mm -hmm. says, "Come here, daughter. Let me show you how to do the wash," you know, mm -hmm. or or whatever. And that just kind of continues that that cycle. You're a, a little bit further down the field on child rearing than I am. Uh, done now, as a matter of fact, <laughs> and I'm still at the high five of myself. Of it. Right. Yes. So as you reflect back over how you taught your kids about money, you had a boy and a girl actually the same age, right? Twins. So, so did you find it different talking to, talking to your daughter about money versus 
your son? Well, this will be interesting. Try to make it make the same or what? Yeah, this will be interesting for Len too, because Len also has a son and a daughter. And I'd be interested to hear, hear what he said. It's funny because we always involve them both in the same exact uh, conversations. We had the same exact conversations. We had those conversations largely together. When we had them one at a time, we had conversations about the same stuff What is interesting, though, was that even with me doing that, by the end of high school, I'll give you an example. Two people in the financial blogging community that a lot of our audience knows, and their people have been guests on the show, I got them both two books last year at the holidays. I got them Scott Trench's book, which is written very focused, my opinion, with a lot of testosterone, right? Written about cut these things, do these analytical things, do whatever, and then there was uh, the book Broke Millennial by Aaron Lowry. I thought those were two of my favorite books from last year. I thought they were great books for both of them to read. What was interesting is that my daughter identified far more with Aaron Lowry's much more wide-based, manage money well overall standpoint versus Scott's, in my opinion, more go for the juggler, control the world. This, you know, when they talk about daring and power and all that stuff, my son gravitated toward that. My daughter gravitated toward what I thought was kind of, and I, I'm trying to use the right words here (laughs) because I, because I love both of these books. I love both these books, but it was just interesting. And I don't know if it's that, that the young woman identified more with the young woman author and the young man identified more with the young man author, but even just the writing style, like they both started both books and my daughter very quickly finished Aaron's book and my son very quickly finished uh, Scott's book. And I'm fairly certain that if I asked them about the other one's book, last I talked to both of them, they hadn't finished the other book. Len, I don't know about I don't know about for you. Well, same as you. When usually when I talked to my kids about money, it was at the dinner table, and all the lessons were over the dinner table, so they were there together, and, and it was just spoken, you know, as a family thing. So, you know, I didn't talk to either of them any differently. I treated them exactly the same. So maybe that's part of it. I, you know, the honeybee was there. I was. We were all around the table, and we all talked. Everybody, and it wasn't just a one-way conversation, you know. So, you know, you know, Honeybee was chipping in. I'm chipping in. The kids are going back and forth. So it was just a family thing. It's a difficult conversation, Paula, and I don't know. I love the fact that we're talking about it. I'm not sure what we do with it. Hmm. Well, I'm reminded of there's a famous quote that says, it's not your fault, but it is your responsibility. And so I think that goes back to what Len was saying. It, it may be true, and in my opinion, it is true, that the media – talks to men and women differently about money and often talks to women about money in a way that blames them for excessive spending and does not encourage them to invest. Although that is not your fault, it is as an individual still your responsibility to seek out the sources of information that will give you what you need to know in order to thrive. Just uh, I'm going to put in a plug for Mr. McFarlane, his book. If you want a book that's written by both a man and a woman, has a male and female point of view, Control Your Cash by Greg McFarlane and Betty Kincaid. You've got both sexes there in, involved with that book. So, Well, and I saw you guys both nodding your head about what, what Paula is saying. It's still your responsibility. Correct. Hey there, trivia fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug. And how about some trivia for Friday the 13th? 
Jeez, I gotta figure out why that date rings a bell. There's something, there's something to that date. Well, anyway, well, look at that. A crack in the floor. I'll just step there. Whoa, God, who's that screaming upstairs? Trying to work down here. Keep it down, woman. Hey, and there's a kitty cat. Oh, I love cats. Oh, and it's black. Excellent. Here, kitty. Here, kitty, kitty. Come here. Hey, don't kiss at me. Well, here's some especially good luck for you. Our trivia question. Were you banking on a banking question? If so, this one's for you. You might know that the first American bank was called the Bank of North America. Here's my question. What year did it debut? I'll be back with the answer right after the team debates their answer. Stacky Benjamins is brought to you by Magnify Money. You know, when I first heard about Magnify Money, I thought, uh, how much better can it be than my regular bank? But then when I hit it, and now I'm going to do right at this point, stackyvegements.com forward slash magnify money. I find that there are over 92% of the stuff that's out there on the internet. So as an example, if I want to do a balance transfer, I click on compare the best offers for balance transfer, click get personalized offers, and there they are. I can put in my credit score, my current debt level, my monthly payment. As an example, if I want to do a balance transfer card, they tell me that the best offer comes to us from Chase Slate. It'll save me over $621 on $5,000 worth of debt compared to what I theoretically said I was doing now. It says that the fine print score is a B, a little complex. Uh, it's a 15 months, zero fee, and a 0% promotional rate. And then I have five user reviews of that uh, product. See how easy that is? Then the next is City Diamond Preferred, Founders Card from a PSECU, and so on. I not only can compare and save there, but also on cashback rewards, on savings accounts, on checking accounts. In fact, let's check checking accounts while we're here. And if I update my results, saying I have $11,000 in a checking account, we're up to 2% now, guys. Poplar Direct. However, there's a warning there. The grade for the fine print gives it an F and then 1.85 for Salem 5 Direct, which has a fine print score of B. Super easy to use, easy to navigate. Plus, you have the award-winning Magnify Money team led by yesterday's guest on our Stacking Benjamin's SB Live Facebook chat, Mandy Woodruff. The same Mandy Woodruff from the Brown Ambition podcast. StackyBenjamins.com forward slash magnify money for more. Support for Stacky Benjamins also comes from TurboTax Live. It's about that day, isn't it? This is a new service from TurboTax. Now you can get a personal review of your tax return with a real CPA or an EA right on your screen. You quickly connect to a tax expert via one-way video as often as you need for answers and advice. So if you're sweating it out, you don't have to sweat out your actual tax return. Makes it go much, much easier. You could even have an expert review your return before you file, make any necessary changes, and it's all backed with a 100% accuracy guarantee. File with complete confidence. Connect with a TurboTax Live expert today at TurboTaxLive.com SB. All right, we got to do it this way, guys. We have to, and by the way, this is the first week we're playing the actual deliberation game so people can hear this. But 
I think the rule's got to be if you won the week before, you got to go last. Like we go in reverse order. What do you think? All right. That sounds fair. All right. All right. Well, I say if you win. No, I say if you win the week before, you got to go first. No, no, yeah, no. Well, that's got to commit. Easier. Oh, I'm sorry. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. Yeah. You got to listen to Paula. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I totally agree with you guys. I meant I meant has to go first. So so we're going Paula, OG, and I think Len was like light years away if I remember oh, right. Oh no 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 no. OG was way out of. No, it was oh, you OG. and Jonathan last oh, week. That's right. Remember that's you right. were he like was way out of bounds. Honestly. He was way out of bounds, and you were second. So all right, you're right. The time before, yeah, I was way out of bounds. Yeah, I'm always out of bounds. Well, so then, <laughs> all right. So, and, and, and maybe we should keep a running total of of who's winning. Yeah, so we'll do that. All us ten and everybody else zero. Here we go. <laughs> slates, slates clean today. So, uh, starting with Paula. Paula, what year did uh, the Bank of North America appear as the first American bank? Hmm. Okay, so here's my thought process on this. Uh, so. The Bank of North America would not have appeared until there was some type of agreement that there would be interstate commerce, that the United States would be a a continuous place that had the same currency, such that they would all need one bank. So I'm reaching back into my memory to try to remember like when the Articles of Confederation happened, and I don't know that. So I'm just going to say 1760. All right, OG. Wow. Okay. So, um, so 1760 is on the table. I'm not as linear as Paula, I don't think. So country, 1776. Constitution is like 1781, I think, right? Bank of North America. I was going to go low also because I think the bank's got to be around before the country's around. When did we first come over here? Like 1590 or something? I didn't. <laughs> Oh, oh. 92. Oh, that was Columbus. Yeah, that was, that was Puerto Rico and stuff. I'm, I think Jamestown was what in the late 1500s. Um, uh, before Jamestown, there was Roanoke though. I'm going to go, I'm not going that early. So let's go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but six, they all perished, didn't they? 1695, 1695, 1695. The day OG okay. took a dive. I don't know. All right, Len. So let's see. North America broke away from Pangea. <laughs> Seven, three billion years ago. <laughs> but remember, it wasn't until Amerigo Vespucci that you got me in America. <laughs> America. You know what? I, I have no freaking clue. I'm going to, what did Paula say? 1760. I'm going to say 1761. Oh, you. <laughs> Are you kidding? Of course he would. Len already is hated by three quarters of our audience because of the, <laughs> and he just sealed the deal. All right, Doug. So Paula's at 1760, Len's 1761. Paula's got to nail it. And OG's at 1695. So he's got 1695 to 1760. What's that? Don't you hate that on the prices? Right? I like the death stare of the person that they just dollared over. Like, are you, are you kidding me? Magna Carta. Yes. <laughs> Hey there, trivia nerds. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I nearly tripped over that black cat coming back to the microphone. And how about this? Someone left this broken mirror on the table. God, I'm so happy this isn't happening tomorrow on Saturday the 14th, you know, the unluckiest day of the month. But we know today's your lucky day because I have in my hands your trivia answer. The question was this. You may know that the first American bank was called the Bank of North America. What year did it debut? 
The Bank of North America opened in 1782. While that bank has long ago disappeared, the first two state banks, opened two years later in 1784, are still operating in some form today. The good old Bank of New York is now BNY Mellon, and Bank of Massachusetts is now part of Bank of America. Len scores the win. Nice job, Len. Paula, how do you feel? Ooh, man. Well, with the Constitution. Darn it. <laughs> I was in the correct ballpark, and it was wise of Len to recognize that and tailor his answer accordingly. <laughs> Well, yeah, I got to admit, Paul, if I would have went first, I would have gone with my Pangea logic and I probably would have said something like, you know, two million B.C. So <laughs> the good news is, though, Paula, you get the next laugh next week, right? <laughs> yes, because OG's going first. You get to go second. Actually, I take that back. Uh, Len's going first. Yeah, I get to go last. Len's going first. You're going second. And OG is going to step on top of you, Paul. That's the. <laughs> <laughs> That's Basically, what... it's not going to work out in your favor again. <laughs> hey, this is payback for Paula's wild ass guesses she was doing earlier too. Remember yeah. she was pulling those out and, she... and hitting it and nailing it, just <laughs> nailing those three pointers from half court. Right. Oh, oh, guys, looks like somebody needs help. All three of those. Oh, sponsored by Bloom, a smart, simple four hundred one k management. That time of year again, we all made good natured New Year's resolutions. You made a ton of New Year's resolutions, didn't you, Len? I sure did. And one of them was to always say bloom, bloom. <laughs> then uh, April hits and you can't even spell New Year's resolution. Well, this year's different. Make a resolution right now to get your retirement on track and fix your 401k with bloom. That's bloom. With three O's. Sounds tough. It's not. In fact, it only takes five minutes. Head online to stackybenjamins.com forward slash. Bloom. To find out more with Bloom, you can simply connect your existing 401k in a few easy steps and sit back and relax while Bloom performs an unbiased analysis of the funds in your account and chooses the best mix to meet your goals while minimizing hidden investment fees. That's uh, stackybenjamins.com forward slash Bloom and enter promo code SB, Len's favorite promo, by the way. And today we're throwing out the Bloom hotline to our new friend, Steve. Say hi, Steve. Hi, Joe and OG, and possibly Len and Paula, too. I have a question about consolidating investment accounts. Currently, I have a taxable brokerage account with Vanguard with around $90,000 in it. I also have an old 401k from an old job with about $130,000 at Fidelity. I have a Roth IRA with around one thirty dollars again at uh, TD Ameritrade, and I have a current 401k with a current employer at a different firm. My question is, should I try to move all of these accounts into one uh, investment provider? I'm thinking Vanguard because of the fees. Uh, is there a reason that you might want to keep them separate? I know that the 401k for my old job, I, I would be able to roll into a traditional IRA and I wouldn't be able to merge it with the Roth. But other than that, any reason to keep these accounts split up versus putting them all in under one house? I'm also thinking about uh, getting Vanguard's managed account services. I know that it's really, really low cost. And I was thinking, you know, having one person handling one coordinated strategy for all these accounts might be a good idea. Uh, if you have any thoughts, I'd appreciate it. Thank you very much. Love the show, even though I don't learn anything. Thanks. Thanks a lot, uh, Steve. What do you think, Len? Should he put them all in one place or should he uh, keep them separate? 
I know what I would do, Joe. I would put them all in one place just from a management perspective and to be able to keep track of those things. The fact that you'd have four or five different accounts, just, oh, my God, all the paperwork, just thinking of all the paperwork you get all the time uh, is enough to give me a headache. So, yeah, I would definitely consolidate. Yeah, Paula, agree? I absolutely agree. Given that each type of account that you've named has different tax treatment, you're right. You won't be able to literally combine these accounts, but you can certainly house them under the same brokerage firm. And I think Vanguard is an excellent one to go with, exactly as you said, because of the fees and because of their co-op structure. So I would roll everything into Vanguard and uh, and then have it all under one big happy umbrella. Now, with regard to the managed account services, the ones that Vanguard offers is very low fee. I don't see any reason not to do that. The only kind of asterisk that I would put here is that if you have a spouse or a partner and that person's retirement account will also be you know, closely tied in with yours, their retirement plan will be closely tied in with yours, then make sure that uh, you're managing the accounts in a way that that looks to that, even though the accounts will technically be separate. Oh, gee, any downsides that some way Steve might step in it by putting them all together? Uh, I can't think of one. I mean, uh, all the things that both of them just mentioned are really about aesthetics, right? You want to make your life as easy as possible, whether you have somebody that's doing it for you with the managed account stuff at Vanguard or you're doing it on your own, having it all in one place is going to help a ton. The other thing that I would think about because of the different type of accounts, you also want to think through how you invest in each one of those accounts. I'm not a big fan of having three identical allocations in three different accounts, right? So you've got a brokerage account, an IRA and a Roth. I wouldn't have all three of them look identical it's inefficient from a cost standpoint, even if you're only paying a few bucks for the trades or something like that. I would much rather have a strategy that has, you know, tax implications aware of where my investing is. So for example, in my Roth, if uh, I know that that money is never going to be taxable again, right? That might be the money I use that, or that might be the portion of the portfolio that's got the largest upside opportunity. You know, if something has the biggest wildest uh, upside potential that might be in my Roth because it's all going to be tax free. Whereas, you know, if I'm looking at my IRA or my brokerage account, I might have different types of investments held there, but all coordinated. And to Paula's point, really important to also overlay your existing 401k plans options as well, because with your existing plan, you may not actually have really good stuff. So you got to kind of offset with what you can get out of that. Len, I love your point because the analogy I used to use when I was a financial advisor was when you go on a vacation with your family, do you take four different cars or one? <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. if having all these different dashboards just makes it hard to manage everything. Yeah. It's just be a headache. My mother-in-law for a while, I was managing hers just because she didn't want it. She wasn't computer savvy. So I had to go in and do her thing. Plus I had mine, you know, and it's like, just there's a whole extra, another platform I had to use and learn and get familiar with. It was just a headache. It's just, I can't imagine if those were both mine. It's just, I wouldn't even want to deal with it. I will do my doom and gloom. There's one good reason I can think of for keeping everything separate, but this is extreme doom and gloom. And that is if you think Vanguard and Fidelity and, and I forget who he said, what else said, a TD Ameritrade. If you're afraid one of those are going to go bankrupt, 
you know, or go completely out of business and lose your money, then maybe you'd want to completely diversify something like that. But I think the odds of that are slim and none. So yeah, and you but, probably shouldn't. You probably shouldn't choose them if you think they're going. But you know, that there's exactly, any threat of that. Yeah. exactly. But it, I mean, if I'm, if you're digging to find a, a, a yes. reason why you would do that, that's the only one I could possibly think of. And then you're covered by insurance. OG is my standpoint. I mean, it's my my back yeah. there. But still, it's going to be a hassle to get your money out of it. I think that's such a low remote possibility. Yeah, it's remote. I'm sorry I brought it up. No, no. We we, were looking for like the the reason. That might be the reason. Paula, we talked about this long before OG was on the Friday show that whenever Len talks, we need to play that doom and gloom music. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Why don't you? (laughs) Whenever Len starts talking, just play the dirge. It'd be, it'd be great. Hey, I think of all these possible things that could go. I, I can ruin anybody's good time, you know, for anything. I can I think of something bad that's going to happen. I don't know, man. I've hung out with you and you know how to party <laughs> with the best of them. Hey, that's going to do it for today. Thanks for the question, Steve. If you've got a question for the show, here's what you do. Head to stackingbenjamins.com and on the top of the page, it just says questions for the show. Click that link and it shows you every way that you can communicate with us. So thanks a ton for the question. Great stuff. Uh, thanks to you guys for playing again this week. Let's find out what's happening where you live. Paula, what's going on at that crazy, crazy Afford Anything podcast and blog? So at the Afford Anything blog, I have started writing again on a reasonably regular basis. Wow. So I have two recent articles. One of them describes my 10-year I don't have a job anniversary, celebrating my 10-year anniversary of unemployment. Just as an aside, she writes two articles in a fairly close time frame, and she tells us she's turned over a new leaf. I have. <laughs> it's amazing. Like two back I mean, to back, and now it's a whole new thing. Oh, no. In the year 2018, I think I've published like four articles. That's significant, given that, the fact that, that we're only at the beginning of 2018 so that, far. That is crazy talk. Yeah. yeah. More like a third of the way through, but okay. Yeah. I mean, four articles in a quarter, that's, that's way beyond anything that I did last year. So I'm nice. very proud of myself. Well, but let's talk and about I'm just, the. I'm literally patting myself on the back. You can watch it. <laughs> let's talk about the podcast, though. What's going on over there? On the podcast, we had an interview with Vicki Robin, the author of Your Money or Your Life, an interview with Morgan Housel, a former Wall Street Journal and Motley Fool columnist. Uh, we talk about decision making and investing. And my buddy, Joe Saul Seahigh. What? Uh, oh. what? Joins me on the show to answer questions that come in from the audience. That's probably your best episode of all. I'm just saying. I mean, Vicky Robin. Anybody asked like, what color? What do you wear? Boxers or jockey? Any kind of those kind of questions or what? Were they more serious? Uh, no one has asked that yet. But well, I'm going to ask Joe. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> terribly inappropriate. <laughs> Let me retweet what I just tweeted. <laughs> Here's me fading away into the bushes again. <laughs> There it goes. Uh, Len Penzo, what's going on at LenPenzo.com? <laughs> Boxers are brief at LenPenzo.com. Hey, let's see. This week, I've got in my continuing living on $40,000 or less series, I have Emily, who has uh, been so kind to share how she lives on 40000 or less annually. And so stop on by, LenPenzo.com. Taking Emily- I thought that was about 40000 a month. No, that's forty thousand or less annually. There it goes, OG. I thought it was forty thousand a day. <laughs> <laughs> that's a I was wondering how people were making it work, but right, we're not oh, talking really rubles wonder. here, <laughs> <laughs> right? Or 
That was funny. Like when we went to Cambodia, I think it was. No, it was Vietnam. We go to Vietnam and their money. They're like, yeah, that's $1.2 million. I'm like, holy cow. No, it's like four bucks. <laughs> like 1.2 million. This is amazing. I love this currency. I feel rich. OG, how about you, man? What's going on uh, here in the basement with you? I really was thinking that by now I would be approaching your uh, level of Twitter followers. Because you've mean, been on it for two weeks. I've been I've been religiously tweeting once or twice a week for <laughs> the better part of at least three weeks now. You're high f- oh, look at you, patting yourself on the back. Where I mean, have I heard this you know, before? Considering how many times I tweeted before. You can buy, you can buy followers, you know that. I don't right? need to don't buy followers. I have. You can do it. You want the numbers higher? Buy don't them. do it. Buy don't followers. do it. I want a check mark. I don't know how to get a check mark, but I think it involves more than more than 120. And see, here's the thing. <clears throat> I do know that we have, I do know how many people listen to the show because Joe's told me it's at least 50, Se- two. Seven, 50, right? 57. 57. So does that include us, the 57? Yes. Okay. So, all right. So I can't follow myself or I can you listen, to, you listen <laughs> to it? Okay. How many was well, on show number one? At least six, I think. So anyways, I, uh, I really feel that I should make a concerted push here to, uh, to pass Joe and at least be north of 120. Which one is the number that <laughs> I should know this? Which one of the two numbers is the one I want to be bigger? <laughs> Are we done yet? I just, I just, I wonder how long this is going to go on until we can say goodbye. <laughs> we spent more time talking about your Twitter than we have about Paula's blogging and Len's, Len's blog put together. So. Yeah. Well, maybe. And I'm going to get accused of being mean to OG again. Again, at not the fake OG. I know, but we got to go. Thousand. All right, guys. Uh, Doug, what should we have learned, man? Sure, I'll tell everybody what we learned today. Joe, 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 what do you, why are you underneath that ladder and now you're throwing salt? Okay, things are mighty strange here in the basement today, folks. I'm just going to tell you what you should have learned if you were paying attention. Are you taking advice from your neighbor or buddy at work about taxes or investments? Don't fall for supposed information that's baloney. Mm, There's baloney again. I love baloney. But the big lesson? Never go just before Len in the trivia challenge. That guy will go $1 higher all game long. Len Penzo appears courtesy of the cryptically named LenPenzo.com. Paula Pant appears courtesy of AffordAnything.com. This show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. Shannon Cowan is our community manager and social media guru. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I just jumped the shark. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor.
Welcome to the After Show, the part of the show that doesn't exist. And uh, this is an interesting piece. Today's Friday the 13th, and it's why is Friday the 13th considered unlucky? Tracing the origin of Friday the 13th superstitions. Listen, I thought this school was by a guy named David Emery. In a provocatively studied titled, Is Friday the 13th Bad for Your Health? Published in the 1993 British Medical Journal, you know, recently, 1993, researchers compared the ratio of traffic volume to the number of automobile accidents on two different dates, Friday the 6th and Friday the 13th, over a period of years. Their goal was to map, quote, the relation between health behavior and superstition surrounding Friday the 13th in the UK. Interestingly, they found that while consistently fewer people in the region sampled chose to drive their cars on Friday the 13th, the number of hospital admissions due to vehicular accidents were significantly higher than on Friday the 6th. Their conclusion, Friday the 13th is unlucky for some. The risk of hospital admission as a result of a transport accident may be increased by as much as 52%. Staying at home is recommended. So you've got less fewer people driving because they think it's superstitious and more act 52% more accidents. Paula, are you superstitious? Wow. That, like, I don't know the methodology in that study, but if that is true, that what that tells me is that whatever people project and expect is what they get. If people expect that a day is going to be unlucky in aggregate, then it will be. Manifest your destiny. That's what exactly. they did, right? They just yeah. said, today's unlucky, today's unlucky, today's unlucky. Your brain goes, must be unlucky. Drive like a jack wagon. Yeah. <laughs> Gas break I mean, honk. Gas break honk. It Smash. certainly <laughs> says a lot about the, you know, the what is stated happens, the, I, the acronym. But I've also seen the study, Paula, I've also seen the study about uh, emergency rooms and about how on a full moon, right, on a full moon, emergency rooms will get all these bizarre cases. And the number goes up, ex I mean, the number goes up huge when it comes to emergency room visits on a full moon. Like That's interesting. I mean, and that's it. Like, I understand why the mythology around the full moon would have developed, because in ancient times before we had electricity, you could see more during a full moon, which means that if you wanted to go out and party, uh, when the moon is large would be a better time to do it than when the moon is in than when you have a new moon, uh, simply because you have more light, more visibility. Of course, now that we have electricity, that's no longer an issue. But the mythology remains. I thought Len Paulo is, is creating some self-fulfilling prophecies. Well, I thought Len Paulo was going to say in the old days before we had the internet. <laughs> well, I thought she was going to say in the old days before we had the moon. <laughs> <laughs> right, those are some old days. Come on, Len, you got to be a little superstitious. You think there's any truth to this stuff? No, I think it's all coincidental. I mean, I, I you can't you can't argue with the study, right? But I but I just think it's it's totally coincidence. I don't I don't buy any of that. Here's what I say: What you know, maybe those emergency rooms. What if they offered a coupon on Thursday the twelfth? Maybe then that would you know get people to not get in an accident on the thirteenth, and they'd get in the accidents on Thursday the twelfth. That's what I would like to see. If emergency rooms offered discount coupons on Thursday the twelfth. Would there be an increase in emergency room visits? Oh, gee, when's the last time you got a discount on your doctor services? I do not even <laughs> want to talk about this right now. You, you know how I feel about all that situation. That's why I went right to stir the pot. You yeah. see that? Yeah. See Please. if we can get yeah, OG awesome. fired up about that. Hold on, let me get, let me uh, break off another piece of my. There is oh. th there is nothing you do though. Insurance. There's nothing you do, OG, that's superstitious at all. Hmm, superstitious. Versus patterns. I don't know. I guess I believe a lot in 
like what Paul started to say, which is what you what you think about will show up in your life. So yeah, but you know, like sports or something like that. You yeah. know, if you if you think, oh, I better not miss this shot. I better not miss this putt. I better not. You know, well, what are you doing? You're putting in your brain miss, 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 miss. You know, as opposed to positive. Uh, but you got to be superstitious about. Paul, are you superstitious about anything? I am. Yeah. If uh, there's a penny on the ground, I'll pick it up if it's heads up and I will pass by it if it's tails up. If I spill a little bit of salt, I'll throw some over my left shoulder, which drives Will crazy because he's like, now you're just spilling more salt everywhere. (laughs) Now I got to clean that up. (laughs) What the hell are you doing, Paula? (laughs) Takes the shaker and chucks it over her shoulder. Yeah. If there's a ladder propped up against the wall, I won't walk under it. I'll walk around it. I yeah, purposely so walk under the only one the I day. that's the only one I'll do and that's because there's a real there's a real reason you don't walk under a ladder. I mean that's a safety issue. So of course that's bad luck. The engineer you know? with the safety issue. Imagine yeah. that. Of course. I had to, that, that, I had to that, change that one the, I'm going to buy that. I had to change the uh, battery in my smoke detector. Of course it decided to go off at 1:58 a.m. Oh no. Uh, and and our bedroom ceilings are 20 feet. And of course the ladder that I have is like 18 feet six inches. Of course. And so I'm like literally hanging on the very top, dangling, trying to do, you know, one hand, put the battery in. So does but that before- mean you're one foot, six inches tall? Well, <laughs> as anybody who's climbed a ladder knows, you can't go to the very top, Len. There's a big well, you, sticker. Don't you stand on, you don't stand on the top, says, top rung of the ladder? Hey, mister, I don't walk underneath random ladders. <laughs> but I will stand on the very tip top. Stop. There's a big sticker that says... Our liability policy will not pay if you stand this high, you know, but man, but I purposefully walked underneath it. And then I thought, boy, that was really dumb for a second. I'm about to go up on this thing. I should have probably walked around just it just reverse, to be just walking reverse back. All right. Last thing for you guys. And then we're going favorite uh, horror movies, Friday the 13th. We got Friday the 13th, the movie, Paula, any, you, you don't watch movies, but any, any horror movie that uh, sticks out? I haven't seen very many, but one that I have seen that I really liked was The Ring. Oh, The Ring scared the hell out of me. Yeah, it's a good movie. Yeah, and then when the phone rang after that, every time I would freak out. I don't remember a phone part. Isn't the <laughs> isn't the Ring the thing where if they call and then they called them on the phone? No, no, I, the Ring is. Uh, well, I won't give away why it's called the Ring because there's a you learn something about the character at the end and how the character died that yeah. indicates. Yeah, but isn't but isn't there a phone call involved? I thought there's a phone call involved, and you, when you pick up the phone, you know that there's a. I don't remember a phone. Maybe call. It, maybe I'm. Ex- I remember I remember a television, and then I remember a, a well. Yeah, I remember the well very very clearly. Yeah, yeah but I. Th- but again, it was years ago that I saw that. Mm, me too. So clearly, we remember that movie. But all I remember is it scared the crap out of me, Len. Uh, well, I'm going to, I go back to the, one of the old originals, the night of the living dead, the, one of the, I think oh. it might be the original zombie movie. I, that scared the crap out of me when I was a kid. That's funny. I saw the legend of uh, Bigfoot or legends of Sasquatch. And, uh, I saw it in third grade. My mom got mad cause I was at a sleepover birthday party thing. I didn't sleep for like three days after that. And then I saw it again when I was maybe 19 and it was the campiest, goofiest, dumbest movie but in third grade, I was sure Bigfoot was going to come <laughs> right then. But that, but Night of, you watch Night of the Living Dead now, and it's pretty campy. You think so? I well, maybe I I think it's it's awesome. I love it. I oh. think I can watch it again and again and again. I just love that original 
movie. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a really great movie. It's it's really well done, but but still way campy now. You know what scared me when I was a kid? The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. And that was a comedy, scary comedy movie. Remember that? I don't remember The Ghost of Mr. Chicken. Don Knotts? Don no, Knotts went into really? a spent the night in a haunted house? Real, oh, he was Mr. Chicken? That'd be oh my fabulous. God, but when I was a kid, it scared the crap out of me. Paul is Googling uh, Don Knotts right now. <laughs> Who the hell is Don Knotts? Oh, gee, how about you? Joe, I, I made a Jack Benny reference in my recent blog post. Shut the front door. Did you really? <laughs> I did. You have to go to affordanything.com and check out my blog post on uh, the blog post about your money or your life. And I intro it with a Jack Benny reference. Just a second. Wow. Hold, hold on. Wow. Uh-huh. Hold on. Just a minute. <laughs> that is the legacy that the Stacking Benjamins podcast has made oh. on the Afford Anything blog. Grasshopper's growing up. <laughs> so great. OG, how about you? Favorite uh, horror movie? Because you don't like horror thing, movies at all. Yeah, I don't watch any of that trash. All I think of when, when you ask, like, what's your favorite horror movie is the line from Breaking Bad where he goes, where he says, I'm the one who knocks. Right? Where Skyler is all like, aren't you afraid of all these people? And he's like, no. I'm not afraid of these people because I'm the one who makes these people afraid. I'm the one, makes I'm the one who knocks. Yeah, yeah. So when I think about like horror movies, I'm like, I don't watch horror movies. I'm the one that caused other people to have horror movie nightmares, <laughs> you know, in That's, a prior life. But, that could be uh, creepy. But yeah, it totally is. <laughs> yeah. Um, in a, in a, in a former life. But uh, anyway, no, I don't watch horror movies. I don't get any enjoyment out of them. My favorite was a movie called the changeling starting uh, George C. Scott. It's it's not the more recent changeling with um, Nicole Kidman. It's way back, and he moves to Seattle into this really old house. And I love it because of the fact nothing happens during the movie that is uh, that's that's horrible. There's one scene where there's blood, and it's rated R, and it just the movie does this great job of slowly bringing you into this house. And creepier and creepier and creepier stuff happens. And there's a seance scene where I just thought I was going to, once again, I was going to, uh, uh, it wasn't going to be think good. You described, I think you described uh, today's podcast perfectly, Joe. That is. <laughs> people, Nothing happens. It people just gets, got into this podcast and it got creepier and creepier as the thing as the show progressed scarier and nothing happened <laughs> and <laughs> soon we were communicating with the dead because yeah, that's all that's left <laughs> on that note let's get out of here Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans. And all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the 
Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender. 